Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, where personal growth simply isn't enough. I'm your host, Mark Cordone, a positive psychology coach, a do-gooder from the island of misfit toys who founded the Joy Revolution. Each week, I'll wrap with an extraordinary guest doing extraordinary things through their own revolutionary work to talk about the ups, downs, and all arounds of life. It's my mission to provoke and empower you through increased joy and inspire you to spark your own revolution to change history for the better. Welcome to the most serious happiness podcast in this multiverse. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast. All right, what is shaking? Golden Mike Podcast back with Mark Cordone. And my boy, Andres Valencia, uh, we met in Chicago. Uh, what, what was it for again? Uh, we were both, tr- uh, what, what, what was our titles? Volunteers? Vo- volunteers, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yeah. we had no titles. We had no titles. Uh, we were volunteers in a coach training program. And I mean, um, like from the second I met you, man, I, I felt there was this great symbiosis. Uh, there was this great uh, brotherhood. Um, and it's been amazing to see uh, you develop and, and to develop alongside of you as I, I've seen you develop uh, as, as both a, co- a coach and a, a human being. Um, and I, I just want to get right into it on this. Is that cool? The, uh, can I make a comment about volunteers? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so you say we had no title. I have such appreciation for volunteers. Um, n- not just the thing that you and I did in, in which you and I had a lot of fun, but older volunteers in hospitals, uh, food banks, stuff that is really serving other people now in times of needs. Also, when there's less need, in, but in other times, it's volunteers that have a, a tremendous role. Uh, so I think it is a title, volunteer. It's it's an important part. Okay, so you're shutting the show down within the first minute of us <laughs> of us talking. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> um, I, I think that's I think that's more than a volunteer. That's a servant leader that you're talking about. There you and go. I have an appreciation for them. We were volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> We turned on lights. <laughs> no, we did more than that, and 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 uh, I think it shows yep. in terms of in terms of the way that that experience has impacted us, man. Um, I'm I'm keeping this as, as an open format because cool. I've I've known you for for uh, uh, more than a, a, or just a couple years now, and I've grown with you. Um, I've got some things that I want to talk to you about, and I also want to go into your story, man. Cool. You know, I I want I want to go there. You know. Um, uh, 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 Chilean parents, right? You were born in the Netherlands. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard my live show, um, why don't you take it from there, that that childhood piece? So born in the Netherlands and, and take it from there. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I was, I was born in the Netherlands. I was born in, in a loving household, mom, dad, mm. siblings, and... This small detail, my dad wasn't my biological father. My dad earned the title dad. And, and still to this day, he has earned that title. Um, and my biological father was someone who considered me and my sister a problem and not his problem. And in a way, that, that shaped me into the man that I am today. Um, are your listeners okay if I share some traumatic experiences? Or do you want to skip over that? 
I would say, you know what, this is, uh, you know, this is us talking, man. You know, and if we need to edit it out, it, we'll edit it out. Okay, later. cool. Yeah. So um, let me, and I totally intended this to be on on air, just asking for permission, but let me give, give a heads up. What I'm going to share next uh, contains some uh, traumatic experiences for a two-year-old. And so my biological father, who considered me a problem and not his problem, I was two years old, there were visitation rights, and he tried to drown me in his bathtub. And what particularly led up to it, I don't know, but I do know that I have a memory of that situation. And I have a memory from above. So I see his hand and I see this boy liveless in the bathtub. And I, I never was able to explain that memory, but, but I do have that memory. I can tell you what color the tiles were and those type of, of details. Um, I'm sharing this with, uh, as a 41-year-old man today, now with an appreciation that I have. Um, but trust me, that's not what happened throughout my entire life. The, the first 30 years of my life, I had this belief deep down inside of me that I wasn't worthy, that I shouldn't be there, because if my biological father didn't want me, that, then who in the world would want me? And there's this contrast, because I did grow up in a loving family. My parents love me to death. Um, probably a poor choice of words, given what I shared about my biological father. But really, there's a tremendous amount of love that I experienced growing up that I still experience today. Um, and yet there is this belief nagging um, that I wasn't wanted. And, and those two are, are conflicting. They, uh, and they have been conflicting for a very long time in my life. I was approaching 30. I think I was 29 years old when... Um, Actually, my sister brought up the topic and she said, you know what, I'm really struggling. I, am, I, I sought help with a therapist and she was experiencing a burnout at that time. And she said, what I came to realize is that I'm really struggling with this idea of not being wanted. And the other part is this conviction that there is a little monster living inside of me. And if I let go, if I give it full reign, then terrible things are going to happen. Mm. And that resonated with me because that I had lived my entire life really not even one foot on the gas pedal, mostly one foot on the brake. Because if I let go, then terrible things would happen. That that was my biggest fear. There was a monster living inside of me. And, what, what kind of terrible things are you talking about? Like, well, so my biological talking? father, um, let me, my biological father clearly was abusive towards me, um, also towards my mom. And so the terrible things that I was afraid of is that I would be abusive towards others. Gotcha. Um, to make it very simple, if I would let go, terrible things would happen. People would die mm -hmm. if I would get mad. Yeah. So, so this is something perhaps to explore in a little bit, but my relationship with anger has for a really long time been a very complicated one. It was not okay yeah. for me to be angry. Uh, you suppress that. Uh, and when you suppress anger, it turns into rage and fury. Right. And, and, and that has to come out. So it kind of is the, the cycle that you keep on going. It's like, it's not okay for me to be angry. I suppress it. It turns into rage and turns into fury. It comes out. And then not that anybody died, but I would say mean things. People would get hurt. Kind of right. com 
keeping that circle alive of it's not okay for me to get angry because then bad things happen um, instead of when you just let out the anger and say, you know what, I'm angry right now because of what you just did. Yeah. N- not, nothing bad happens from that. Now, now, in your mind, though, even though you were suppressing that, uh, doing things on the outside, mm-hmm. um, did you feel like there was a sinister part of your, yourself that would be like, man, in another place, I'd punch you? Uh, or you know, like, or, or would you have thoughts of that, like, um, do, like doing to someone that to someone who who had uh, either you felt wronged you, or or it, you were getting justice to um, do that? Yes and no. So so there's a funny funny dichotomy that takes place. Yes, I, I would be, I would have a lot of anger that I wouldn't express. Yeah. So as a little kid, I did not take up a lot of space. It was not okay for me to take up space. It's I believe that's what got me in the bathtub, to be honest with you. The story that mm-hmm. I tell myself is I was either upset, crying, I wanted something that I wasn't getting. And as two-year-old kids do, holy crap, there is something going off here. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> is, is this amateur hour, Andres? I told you to shut the phone off before I, You know, I totally <laughs> did that. I, what I did not turn off is my alarm. <laughs> Let me just check that. Oh, he's actually checking his alarm. You need to get that. You want me to read a commercial out for deliberatebreakthroughs.com? So I have an alarm set for every hour, and it reminds me to how I want to show up. Heart-centered, reliable, consistent. It goes off every single hour. So I thought I had – I did turn off the volume of my phone, and I set it away. And then this alarm went off, and uh, my phone is very uh, thoughtful and makes sure that I don't miss an alarm, so it continues to play. <laughs> so I, I'm, very, I'm actually very grateful for that alarm. So now we can start telling your story more heartfelt and more grateful um, than this, cold, this cold-blooded piece of crap story you're telling right now, man. All right, man. I'll show, Jeez. I'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just giving you I'm just ribbing you, bro. Um, just like you putting all this crap in the show notes that, are, that it's not real. <laughs> but we'll go there in a second, man. Because we, we, you know, we we're really on. We're we're talking about stuff here that, like, you know, two years old. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I have one memory of of, of uh, when I was around two years old, and I remember falling face first into snow. Okay. Right. And, and, and that, that's about it. But I remember the steps. I remember the snow. I remember what I was wearing. I remember, uh, the, the red pants that my mom was wearing. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and then some people are like, you have a memory as a two year old. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think so. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it, it feels very real, but it also feels very dreamlike, yep. you know? Um, so for you, in, in terms of this, this, this two-year-old memory that you formed mm-hmm. and, and um, the way that you remember it now is, is, is almost like that you are having that out of body experience, yep. right? Um, a, a, per, a perspective that you were looking down upon the situation. Yep. And I've heard that a lot of people experience that when they're going through a major life-changing trauma, yeah. they, they exit their body and almost are looking down on the situation. Yeah. Now with that, that memory, how was that replayed? What, like, for example, was that replayed every day after the situation or was it something that like 
you weren't sure about if it was real or not for a few years. And then it became real to you or someone told you, yeah, it was real Mm -hmm. at a very young age. So you you bring up so many good points, right? It's Mm -hmm. I've had this memory for as long as I can remember. Um, And it is something that I think I was like seven years old when um, my parents told me the story. I was maybe six or seven years old when my parents told me the story about my biological father, um, how he considered me a problem and those type of things. I, I remember at least that particular that. Uh, yeah. time that they told me. Maybe they told me sooner. I, I really don't know, but that one stands out. And I, I remember also at some point being told about the bathtub incident because that's what triggered child protective services to get involved. That's what triggered uh, my parents mm-hmm. to fight. And when I talk about my parents, it's it's my mom and my dad being the person who yeah. earned the title dad. Those are my parents still today. Um, they decided to go to court and, and fight the, how do you call this, the arrangement that has been made, the visitation arrangements. Uh, is that how you call it with children or is that something mm-hmm. from a jail? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's it. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm on a pool. English is not my first language here. Um, but yeah, so that's what triggered the whole situation to, to escalate and my parents to fight that. So I knew about this bathtub incident since I was young. Yeah. The idea of having that mental image, is it real or not? I honestly, I can't tell you. I think it's real. Same, same like you're saying. I think it's real. And, um, I am convinced that I know the, the, the right color of the, the tiles, which is green, which it's such a weird color. And that has been confirmed, right? Now, it, they're weird little details. Is it real or not? I don't know. I, I don't care as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now as, as you were growing up now, how, how much was this something that was, was replaying in your mind? Um, and like, would it only show up when, like, would the memory only show up when you were, um, like every now and then would it show up when you, when you were in the shower? Good question. So, so the answer to your question is never, it never replayed in my mind. It ah, never showed up interesting. in, in the memory. Um, it showed up in my behavior, but not as a memory, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So absolutely. The, the memory itself, um, Occasionally through, like, I guess, um, I don't remember ever being brought back to, like, oh, something happened, I'm back in the bathtub. That mm-hmm. that never happened, as far as I can recall. Um, yeah. It's when I talk about it, I see that image, but if I don't talk about it, uh, that you image never it. comes back. Now, if when you were growing up and you had this idea that, oh, there's this monster in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's this thing inside me, did you, did you ever attribute it to things that had happened when you were younger? Uh, did, you ever, did you ever say to yourself, I'm, I think I might be a little bit different? Or, or was, it just, yeah. was it just something you didn't share? So I, I knew I was different. And there's several mm. reasons for that. Um, one, both my parents were Chilean. I was one of three foreigners in, in a class of mostly um, Dutch kids. Yeah. So, so that made me different. I had uh, big glasses and not the, the cool type that kids have today, but I just had a smaller version of my grandfather's glasses. Um, okay. 
I have a skin condition called uh, vitiligo, or where, wherever you want to place the yeah. uh, the emphasis, and that meant that I was that kid who had spots in his face because my I'm Latino. You know yeah. me as this totally white dude, like my, my skin color is white, um, yeah. and yet I'm Latino. And as a as a young kid, I had a darker skin tone. And when I was about a year and a half old, that skin started, my words, consuming the pigmentation in my skin. So I grew up with spots in my face, spots on my legs everywhere. And when I was about 18 years old, I was completely white. Um, But all those things contributed to me already being different. Yeah. And so I spoke a different language at home than most of my classmates, or than actually all of my classmates. Um, But then there, there was this subconscious part of what I what I shared earlier living my life with one foot on the brake mostly yeah. not being able to uh, share what I want what I really uh, desired feeling that I didn't matter and that showed up in how I showed up so not showing up fully right and right. that was for the first three decades of my life on and off right I I don't remember elementary school being a particularly fun period of my life the first few years of high school uh, weren't that either. And then I started to have more fun. I started to connect with more friends. So age, let's say, 14 to 20 was a lot more fun than the first 14 years of my life. Um, mm. So it wasn't all bad. But if I think back now, it's there's this kid that uh, was holding back yeah. hugely. Yeah. You, you know, um, I, I can't fully re- relate to the trauma that you've mm-hmm. gone through. And, and so, um, you know, I, I feel like I, I, I can explore it with you as, as you're my friend and, and, you know, timers are going off and all this shit. <laughs> um, and, and, and also at the same time, I, I, I feel that um, I, I feel that same uh, rage growing up. You mm. know, uh, I, I, I definitely can relate to this feeling of, of uh, sort of this monster inside me. Right. And um, what I contributed, what I contributed it to when I was younger and probably in my uh, 20s and and young adulthood was, well, I was Filipino. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I was the only Filipino. I was the only this. I was the only that. And um, as as I, I, I kept working through that, the more I kept realizing, well, those were more and more excuses that I was making. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that you're making excuses. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just speaking from, from an eyebrow. Uh, like, you know, I, I just realized that, like, that kind of difference that I was feeling was uh, a, a, a difference that uh, it, it was both a part of this construct of race, but also this uh, maybe more, uh, for lack of a better term, like spiritual journey that I was going on mm-hmm. to try to figure some shit out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I do remember by the time that I was in, in college, it, it was full anger at anyone who was status quo. Um, I, I, I wouldn't date anyone who was, was white. I, I, I thought that, um, I, I thought that I was being oppressed. Uh, I, I thought that it was Ooh. important for us to be revolutionary from the standpoint of, uh, demonstrating our anger, um, and our, dissatisfaction with the way that Asian Americans were being treated. Mm -hmm. And all I was doing was perpetuating rage that was being untreated. Mm -hmm. And, and I I was, I was masking it with this leadership, you know, um, Hey, look at me, like here I am, this activist, 
um, you know, trying to do some good in the world mm. when really what I wanted to do was just make the people around me angry too. Mm. Uh, and, and, uh, it, it, it was really unprocessed, man. Like, I, I feel like I went, like, I'd go halfway into processing my anger, uh, and then I'd go right back mm. to where I was. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, here I am, victim, 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 victim. Oh, I'm going to come out, and the way that I come out of it is by being angry. Here I am as an angry leader. Oh, I go back to victim, victim, victim. It'll never change. Yeah. Right? Um, it's For, for, for you, mm-hmm. what was it that was the the moment where you might have seen that that was a pattern that that you were going through and i'm not i'm not saying that you went through a pattern of mm-hmm. uh, of being this victim to going into this this level of anger mm-hmm. but, but was it was it that moment when your sister was like i can't deal with this mm-hmm. so um it sounds and I, I don't know if i'm if I'm picking up on that correctly, that you had a lot of awareness of I, I'm feeling this anger and there is oppression that I'm fighting and, and you were very conscious of um, maybe not necessarily the fact that you were angry or may, maybe it is that you were angry, but you were very conscious of um, something happened in the past and I got uh, a wrong to right. Yes. Yeah. It, it was justice. There was, mm-hmm. uh, it's almost like I, I was, I felt like I had the, the, uh, the privilege of, 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 of having the, 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 the sword that's on fire mm-hmm. and, and smiting people, uh-huh. um, for their wrongdoings. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was very self-righteous, man. Mm. And, and I'm not saying that it's not, what I'm doing is not self-righteous. Uh, I, I think that every time I, I, I hit these moments of, of feeling like I'm edified, I, I'm like, okay, what what is the hidden part here? What is the, what is the unaddressed part? Mm-hmm. What have I not felt fully? What may I be suppressing now? Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if it was – I become more and more aware, mm-hmm. I, I would say. And, and so before it was very reactionary, and now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I feel it coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not going to take over me, and then it will take over me, or it doesn't. Uh-huh. You know, uh, the, like this idea of choice has been yeah. so cool the past couple of years. Yeah. But, but for you, yeah, I mean, I am, so I think I'm a total late bloomer. I think I didn't have the awareness that you're speaking up, uh, speaking of right now. And I didn't start this journey of self-development until probably my very late twenties. Um, (laughs) that really it, it was the awareness that I had after the conversation with my sister was also, I've been dating the same women over and over again, and it ends up always in the same way and not good. And the common denominator is... Was it like a bad person. breakup type of thing? Yep, yep. Uh, okay. Yep. Okay. Um, as well as giving my power away. So, yep. okay. and, and I kept, like, that's, that's a cycle that, um, well, <laughs> for the listeners, like, th- this idea of not taking up space by giving my power away is another way of not taking up space. Um, yeah. And so, so that's when that awareness hit me of like, oh, man, I'm doing this over and over again. I can't blame anyone else but me, right? After the third or fourth time that you do the same thing with a different woman, but the same thing happens and I'm the common denominator, you got to look in the mirror and say, dude, what's up, right? What are you doing? And mm-hmm. so that's the moment. I can actually, I can actually imagine you doing that, like, you, like the scene where you're like washing your face and you uh-huh. look in the mirror and you're like breathing with your shoulders. Uh-huh. 
and you're like, come on, man. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's a very dramatic scene yeah. that, that, that you're painting for me. Yeah. All right. Who, who's, the, who's acting me in that moment? I, I am. You are. I am. Me. Yes. Right. Yes. I, that's why it's. That's why it's completely overacted, and I'm totally overpaid for it. <laughs> All right. So you're planting the seed for when this becomes a Hollywood movie. Got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. But uh, but I mean, there was a moment where you you were like the common denominators. Denominator, yeah. denominator is me and account and I have to take accountability for it. And so you, you talked about, you know, your late, that was around your late twenties and um, uh, essentially what were the action steps that you started doing when it came to self-development? So in, in that moment, so there's a few things that happened. I'm, I met my, yeah. um, my now ex-wife, but mm-hmm. so and I was like, I, I do not want to do the same cycle with her again. Right. So that's, I think that was probably a defining part of this as well. Um, I realized that I was better off asking for help than trying to figure it out on my own. And I think that's the best thing I've ever done, which is I went to see a therapist. And because um, especially now, 12 years later, I can tell you, like, if I take on things by myself, I will figure it out. And it's going to take me more time than right. if I ask for help. I am stronger right. together. That's kind of like my uh, one of the awarenesses that I've had. So ask for help has been is the action that I took then. And at that moment, some stuff came to the surface. And, and a lot of that had to do with the hurt of not being wanted by my biological father. And I had a number of sessions with that therapist and got to a point where I reached, let's say, a plateau. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. And to me, a plateau goes is when you're going up. This was a plateau going down. And I was like, okay, it's solid ground now. I know there's more underneath, but I can't access that. So it's, it's good for now. Um, and then uh, also with the awareness that there was more to take care of, but, but I couldn't access it. I was done in that moment, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Were you, it sounds like you were content, but was there any intrepidation about what the future was going to look like in terms of how much you were going to need to uncover? No, I was clueless, dude. What the, what what else was there? I was clueless as to what else was there other than the awareness of there's more there. But at this moment, this is, um, this is all there, there there is that's at the surface. Okay, and and how about this this whole idea of asking for help? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, straight up, I I, I was brought up the first twenty years seeing my dad not ask for help, mm-hmm. and, and so it, it was almost yeah, and and so it was almost like uh like triple fold. <laughs> For me to be the oldest brother in the house, the 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 next in line to be the successor in, in the cordon male, I'll I'll call it out the male lineage, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, to go to a uh, to go and see a a, a therapist uh, completely was uh, it, it was completely a humbling experience to mm. to to do that, and also there was some shame involved for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I had let down uh, 
it, like I, I just came in feeling a lot of shame. Like, oh yeah. man, I, I really fucked this one up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you? How did you feel about it? When? when you... um, yeah, man, all of it. Yeah, all of it. Okay. Um, yeah. And and now I like I'm here on this podcast, and, and I'll tell anyone who wants to hear about it who might benefit from it. Like the best thing that I ever did was to ask for help. Um, mm-hmm. Hell yeah, there was shame involved, especially back then. Um, this idea of walking into that office, which was a large office building. Um, and the idea of, I hope no one sees me, right? There were probably a hundred offices or a hundred companies in that building. Um, but the idea of, I hope no one sees me. Yeah. So yeah, definitely was there shame involved. Um, now I can talk about it, um, in an easier way or, or ways. I'm very transparent clearly about this. Yeah. Back then it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, not to deviate from your story too much, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's part of this whole masculinity myth mm-hmm. that uh, you know males don't go and ask for help. Yep. You know, and, and and what I love about having this conversation with you is um, that is something that I, I, I'm not sure how that ever became um, something that was good for anyone to not ask for help. Yep. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know how that became part of uh, sort of the, the male American uh, cultural norm, mm-hmm. but I, I'm really glad that those are beginning to start toppling over now because yep. um, if that wasn't a part of the, the norm, I might've gone and seek sought help a little bit earlier. Mm. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, it was just, I knew that there was something different about me and I wish that there was somebody that I could talk to, but I felt like if I couldn't talk to a priest, mm-hmm. which always felt like shame and guilt, there was no one that I could talk to. Mm. Yeah. So, oh man, you, definitely the idea of, of the male, I don't know if we're going to call it role model or, or the, 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 yeah. the idea of what does it mean to be a man that definitely um, resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on the one hand, I saw that in my dad for sure. And mm-hmm. I think I was, I benefited from the fact, so I'm the middle one. My, my sister who's older is a social worker. So she was very, and, and we share obviously that history. Um, yeah. so her having gone through this experience before and saying, look, I really benefited from a therapist, um, made it more okay for me to go down that path, at least within my family, if that well, makes was sense. Was she saying that as just a, a matter of fact, like, you know, uh, brother, like I, it was good. This was a good experience for me. Or did you feel like she was egging, not egging you on, but kind of um, urging you to go and try out some therapy? Um, the way I remember it is it, it was a conversation and, that and not necessarily being being egged on or urged to, yeah. to go see therapy. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, are you there? Still here? Yep. Can you I'm hear sorry. me? Sorry, I lost you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I thought I answered the question, and I was waiting for another question. <laughs> yeah, you did. My 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 screen blanked out, brother. So okay. I, I just I had no idea where you went for a second, man. I'm here. I'm yeah, here, buddy. Of course, of course. Of course you expect a, another question with another question because you're a dang coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let's talk about some of the things that that you learn through personal development now because you are here uh, you know there's it, it it seems like two totally different people you know um this mm. this sort of person who was um you know who grew up uh, a lot of things inside a lot of feelings inside and now a person who is uh very much wearing as much as you want to share on your shoulders or mm-hmm. on you know uh putting it on put your heart out there mm-hmm. um what were some of the breakthroughs in terms of uh like uh, for example dealing with the, the, those those rage emotions mm. um man that's that's a really good question and that is and that's a hard mm-hmm. question to answer um and and part of that so d- despite my best intentions of uh, building a life with this woman that I met when I was 29. Um, I so I moved over from the Netherlands to Chicago to the United States. And if you want to, all right. So so here's also where my South American side comes up. The romantic in me thought I'm moving 4,000 miles out of love. What could possibly go wrong? And let me tell you, when you're moving to a different country, despite the fact that I had traveled a lot, I spoke the language, all these things, and I was doing it out of love. So, so what could possibly go wrong? A hell of a lot went wrong, right? Yeah. So I experienced the, the idea of culture shock, which I had never heard that there's an actual theory around culture shock, but I got, so I experienced yeah. that. Um, I got into a massive depression because I was not... I was not working for the first year. I was not eligible to work. But after that, it really took me a long time to find a job. So I got into a massive depression. Um, and that, that was kind of like the start of me and my now ex-wife journey together or us living together. After having mm-hmm. dated long distance for a long time, um, that was the start of us living together. And y- you can imagine that that is a horrible start. That's just a massive false start, right. and, and, and that doesn't even do it justice. Hey, it's Mark. I hope you're digging the Golden Mike podcast. If you have or are just starting your own revolution fueled by joy, there's a site I created for you. If you, like me, believe that personal growth is simply not enough, if you, like me, are committed to changing history for the better in both micro and macro ways, check out joyrevolution.com. In there, you'll find an archive of our over 200 Golden Mike Live Facebook shows and, of course, our podcast that you're currently listening to. Check out the blogs highlighting how positive psychology and joy theory apply to your everyday life. There's even some cool clips from our Joy Revolution course geared towards influencers, speakers, writers, and change agents. It's all there. Go to joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Let's get back to the episode. It, it sounds like there may have been some, like, in retrospect, that that had the potential to create some resentment from the start. Um, yes. Um, okay. it, in a way. It, it didn't have to be that way. But yes, there, there certainly was some resentment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and on both sides, I would say. But I'm not here to speak for her. But yes, there was some resentment. Yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier in our conversation this plateau that I had reached where I couldn't 
go further. And moving countries is what broke that plateau for me, right? So all of a sudden, I had, um, instead of being in a country where I knew the system, I had the people around me who knew me, um, who could, in a way, cater to me because they knew all my quirks. Obviously, my wife didn't know all my quirks from... um, yeah, we, we weren't married right from the beginning, but um, and she sure as hell wasn't going to put up with it, and and neither should she. This was my <laughs> shit that I did not deal with. You're laughing. Tell right. me why you're laughing. Which I mean, it, it's I'm, I'm dead serious about this, and and I recognize that it's funny too. But tell me I, why you're I, laughing. I, I'm I'm not laughing at you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm laughing more so at the fact that I have uh, I bro I, I I you know I I have changed locations mm-hmm. uh, because of because of uh, love and business before. And then when you're talking about those little um, idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. and, and little quirks that we start picking up on and it's like, Oh man, I, the, you know, this, there's all this shit that, that she didn't yeah. see when, when we would not be on the phone or like yep. when we would be <laughs> with each other for longer than a month at a time, yep. you know? Um, so that, that's what I'm laughing about yep. is sort of like, you know, the, when you start picking up on, on little things. Yeah. I mean, so so here's a very clear example, right? Because mm-hmm. there's seven-hour time difference between the Netherlands and the United and Chicago, um, mm-hmm. I would have all the time in the world to craft a message. And, and I'm really good with words. Mm-hmm. But I'm not when it comes to, like, my my emotions. And yeah. so, so there's something that I'll, I'll actually speak to in a little bit. Um, I'm not a fast processor when it comes to emotions. So to craft an email, I mean, that was easy because I had all the time in the world. Being in a, let's say, some type of contentious situation uh, was really hard for me for a number of reasons. One, I'm not a fast processor. Two, English is not my first language. And when you're experiencing emotions, you don't have access to the emotional part of your brain so you're kind of translating emotions right which is really really hard to do right so instead of yeah saying, because the emotional part of the brain is not co- connected to the language center <laughs> yeah, there you go thank you for putting yeah. that yeah you know this stuff this is yeah yeah so um so that would make it really hard for us to have what's the word like i'm not even calling it a full-blown fight but just like quibbles is that english yeah that's a, squ- a squabble or something yep, yeah sure um, it, 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 that was hard. And then imagine getting into like a full-blown disagreement, full-blown, um, just, it, it was hard. So what, what did it, what do you mean by hard? Like, did, did you, did you shut down or did you need to like, did, did, did you need to leave the situation and process it or did it like come exploding out? All of or it. Was it unpredictable? All of it. Ah, all of it. Yeah, all okay. of it. I like, I'll, gotcha. I'll be, um, I'll admit, I like I was in a really bad place. My ex-wife saw the worst of me, and and nobody needed to see that. She sure as yeah. hell didn't deserve that. So sure. yeah, it 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 was from me needing time to process. Um, so sometimes exiting the situation, uh, sometimes in an effort to trying to articulate this is what I'm experiencing. You would get the I would get the emotion wrong. So then we have a discussion about what I'm really feeling, which doesn't help. Um, oh. And then in the middle of feeling, you go into pro- yep. you go into like <laughs> translation. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Challenging. 
And then, so here's the part that um, all this has been um, not easy to share, but but here's the, the really hard part to share, which is at some point I got so frustrated that I punched the wall and I broke my hand. I broke a bone in my hand. And if you talk about trust and how to break trust, like that, that's a form of violence, right? yeah. whatever way you look at it. Um, and so I massively broke trust. And not only there, but I think that was, for me, that turning point of, holy shit, this is, again, another look in the mirror moment. This is not the man that I want to be. This is not the husband that I want to be. This is, this is not like just not who I, how I want to show up and how I want to live my life. Yeah. And it sounds like it, it kind of would, if, if, if you hadn't gotten rid of that feeling that there was a monster inside of you, Mm -hmm. it sounds as if there, that may have been some validation. Look, there Mm. really is a monster inside Mm. of you and you have to see it in this broken hand and in this fucking hole in the wall. Yeah. Really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and were you in therapy at that time? I, so, um, we were in couples counseling. I remember, um, our couples counselor kind of suggesting softly that I was depressed and I got so mad, like she was crazy and it was impossible. And cause I had this idea that depressed people, you, you could see they would all wear, a a black cloud above their heads and they would walk slunched down, hunched down. Yeah. So that's what depressed people were. And that wasn't me because I, I walked straight. You, you didn't feel like you had, you walked with a hidden black cloud. I, well, no, I, I did not feel that I, that I was, I did not see okay. the massive black cloud that I was living in. Right. It wasn't even oh, cloud above my yeah. head. I, I was standing, not even knee deep, like, covered in this black cloud wow yeah it's i i can relate to that it's it's you're so used to this feeling you think it's the norm you think this hey i'm I'm normal today yep yeah and that sucks right and and it's not normal yeah um yeah so i think that like breaking my hand was a crucial moment because that's i think at that moment i was in therapy Mm -hmm. um also individual therapy but that was the moment to say, oh, shit, like this is this is a real and I have to really show up. Yeah. So that was that Absolutely. pivotal moment. Absolutely. What what was it that you wanted out of that self-development process? Because here we have you. Um, you've moved across the world. You punched a hole in a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you've just been told that you were depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, very uh, almost like a knee jerk reaction. Right. I'm not depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And and, and you're engaging in the process of either healing wounds mm. or wanting to see something better. What was your vision of, of going in continuing the help seeking process? Because I could I could definitely see people say I've gone to therapy. It didn't fucking work the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's such a good question, Mark. And, and I don't know if I have an answer to it, which mm-hmm. y- you know me, that's, that's rare for me not to have an answer. Uh, well, and, yeah. And it's, 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 it's rare for you to, to do that and then not have a question back for me and say, <laughs> that's your shadow self, Mark. Talking. 
<laughs> I was waiting for you to like have a hard question and you go, well, what does that mean to you, Mark? <laughs> like, you fucker. You fucker. I asked you the question. <laughs> I feel that it's pretty, pretty introspective. Uh, yeah, no. So I, I, I'll give you an answer right now, which is yeah, yeah. I want it to feel like I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am. And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm perking up is because I couldn't put my finger around or, or, or I couldn't articulate what I, what I wanted, but what, when I first went, went to therapy, well, what I could articulate was I don't want this. Mm -hmm. I know I don't want this. And like, whatever it takes, I, I, I just don't want this. You know, um, and I think for me, it it was so, yeah, no, that's, I think that's fair. I I think mm -hmm. now, like years down the road. So, yeah, I I think that I had that clarity, like, this isn't it. Um, Mm -hmm. This is not who I want to be. And, and I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's scary as hell, because it's, you're you're talking about um, letting go of a lot of things that you've believed to be true they didn't all serve me they served me up to a point but Mm -hmm. now it was like really finding out who am i on the inside not from this not being loved not being wanted but who am i when i really show up it was easy for me to have lived my life with one foot on the pedal on the sorry on the on the um on the brake brake yeah yeah um well and then to say, okay, what does it look like to, to let go of that? And then if you're mm. going to accelerate, what does it look like to go inside and figure out what direction you want to go? Like it's scary mm. as hell because up until that moment, I hadn't really done that with exception of a few things. I've, I've accomplished a lot of things even before my 30s. And there are certain things that I wanted to do that I got that I did. Um, but so there's there's one particular part around relationships that was that was challenging showing up in relationships and and being able to express myself what i wanted and having that clarity that was incredibly hard yeah yeah did you did you ever feel like you were worthy in a relationship a romantic one up until that moment yeah no wow okay and then uh, to this may be a completely different turn here, but also at the same time, in, in terms of your help seeking, how much of that was fueled by um, the idea that now there was factual evidence with a broken hand that you could be this abusive male figure, like your father, your biological father? With love, Mark, fuck you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh no! Keep this in, man. Um, yeah, that yeah. hurt. And 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 I, you're I right. Yeah, and you're right. Okay. Um. So so yeah. Do with this what you want, but damn, you're um. Yeah. No, that is that is spot on, and and, and I have the tendency to want to just talk over it when at this moment my heart is hurting because because you're right. Well, the only reason I am able to say a question like that is I'm capable of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, man, you know I love you, man. And, and and also at the same time, uh, we've talked about how I've been kind of moving out of that fool's role and yep. stuff. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
Oh, this we, is, we this is, this is powerful. And, and I think it's like people know me as, as this nice guy, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and particularly um, at that time, people outside of my relationship knew me as the, the nice guy. And mm-hmm. when in my relationship, um, I think I was at least emotionally abusive and, and that just sucks. And, and she did not deserve that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So I, I mean, in terms of, in, in terms of the, the fuck you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, you know, the, that's a nice way for me to deviate from the questioning round now. <laughs> Fuck you too. Let's get into a toxic masculinity fight. Now. <laughs> um, I, I think I think the 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 thing as well though is is um, you know I know that you sent it out with love and also the heart is hurting. Mm. Does that still mean that after all these years that monster still shows up? Because I mean, let's. This is not even a performance right now, bro. This is you and I talking. We talked the other day mm-hmm. about me. Um, me working on my rage. Yep. There were some rage things that were going yep. on, and, and you know, and uh, you gave me some advice. Mm-hmm. And if it's all right, I'll share a little bit of that advice. Sure. You know, and, and it, it was almost like you talked about how the monster went away for you, and, mm-hmm. and it gave me the sense that, like, oh wow, like there. Uh, for me, it always felt like the monster will be there. I have to tame it. Mm. You, you know, and, and it will still flare up. But I, once I have it tame, it'll it, it'll be it'll be much more out of the driver's seat in my life. Mm. Um, and, and and I look at the tarot card. I, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but like there's a tarot card card called strength. Mm. And it's it's a, a, a person, I believe a woman. And, and then there's a, a, a lion. Mm hmm. And the lion is almost smiling and she's petting it. She's tamed this, this ferocious part of, of, of herself, mm-hmm. which is something that I think all of us do, or at least, at least you and I do. Mm-hmm. And, and so sort of with that, fuck you. I mean, is, is that, is, is that there a little bit of monster in there still? Or, or, mm-hmm. or is that a, is, is that a different kind of response that, that you usually have? So, I think a few things play into this. One, you're saying this is not a conversation. This is not a performance. This is a conversation. But I am very aware. I'm looking at my screen and I see my voice being recorded. So okay. I, I'm very aware that, yes, this is a conversation, but but I'm still trying to portray some type of, of, of insight. And your question just got to to the core um, okay. and... And, and I think it's a powerful question. It's an important awareness. Is it the monster? No, I, I, I don't think I don't label uh, it as the monster. It is that I still experience um, shame around how I showed up in that moment that I have not healed myself for, despite the fact that I'm talking about this on a podcast and it's mm. going to be on like, I don't know how many millions of viewers are going to listen to this. Um, trillions, trillions, trillions of viewers <laughs> yeah. across the galaxies, um, <laughs> the multiverse. Yes. Also, so th- there is the um, still that shame that I'm experiencing, and 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 no, sure. it's it's not the monster because I I think I have um, come to terms that that maybe it's two things. One, there isn't a monster, and um, and I have come to terms that. 
I have a shadow side and, and I need that shadow side. And what do you need it? Say that again. Why do you need it? Because without the dark, there's no light. And I know that's okay. a cliche, but you, you need the, I need the, the, my coach, uh, Stacy calls it the void. I need to get in the void in order to come out of the void and, and, and have that growth. The growth occur, doesn't occur when everything is hunky dory. The growth occurs when I'm in the void. Mm. Mm. So, well, so I, I, I'm thinking about that. I, I, I know Stacy st- tangentially, and, uh-huh. and and she seems really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I don't think I, I'm going against her here. But uh, is 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 the void something that's associated with pain and darkness? Because I also see mm-hmm. a, a void being like, you know, uh, associated with people who don't. Uh, this is including me who don't savor some of life's best moments. Mm. Like you don't savor some of life's best moments and process that and maybe um, uh, feel some gratitude for that. You go back on a treadmill Mm -hmm. of going and chasing happiness or, or some, some other high again. And so I I think that that void can show up not only through trauma though Mm -hmm. and and shadow, it can show, it can show up in the light. So I think what I'm hearing and what you're sharing is what I think is called the window of tolerance. Okay. Which we have a range of emotions, right? The, the, let's call it, I, I, I do not refer to emotions as positive or negative. I, I'm at a place right. where I say it's, it's all neutral. Um, th- there isn't some, a, a good emotion or a bad emotion. But in the sake of this conversation, the stuff that makes you feel good and the stuff that doesn't make you feel good or makes you feel bad. Right. So... What typically happens is that we are uncomfortable with this, with those feelings and emotions that make us feel uncomfortable. Yes. So we put a a, a bottom um, how do you say that? a bottom part to that bandwidth. I'm willing mm-hmm. to feel uncomfortable up to a certain point, but after that, I will not allow it. Mm-hmm. And what you do automatically is that you put that same um, um, bandwidth on those emotions that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. So now your range of emotion is just chopped down from everything that you can feel to a bandwidth. It's okay for me to feel feelings and emotions within this range. Well, and then it gets uncomfortable. So you, you kind of narrow the bandwidth again. And basically you end up living what I'm going to call a three out of five life. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's, it, it is Pretty much what I'm saying. Um, in the joy, in the joy revolution, uh, uh, we call this um, your joy capacity, mm-hmm. and this is this is your ability to what you say tolerate, or, or I, I I wouldn't say tolerate, but I would say process mm-hmm. and fully process through completion mm-hmm. um, uh, the feels, and it's not necessarily joy meaning good things all the time it's more so being in joy is being able to process what you can the ups and the downs Mm -hmm. right and and so i think that's that's exactly what i'm 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 getting at there Mm -hmm. and you know i i think that it's really interesting because uh, you know we we've been talking about um healing and and growing and and it kind of dovetails back really nicely into living life deliberately yeah. Like, what does that actually mean to live life deliberately? Because it sounds like um, it sounds like to that you weren't living life deliberately. And that's true. why you couldn't show up fully. True, true. 
I mean, it, it, it's no accident that my company is called Deliberate Breakthroughs, right? It's, it's very intentional. That, that would be pretty fucking amazing if it was an accident that it was called <laughs> Deliberate Breakthroughs. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The website was still available, so I decided to pick that. I didn't care. That's all that was left in the trademark office. Yep, yep. Deliberate and Breakthroughs. Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, no, I, I did a lot of a lot, a lot of work to, to get where I am today, right? Which is yeah. in a place where um, where I, I feel my feelings. I'll feel my feelings all the way through to completion and I'm not afraid of yeah. them anymore. Does that mean yeah. I enjoy it? I enjoy feeling sad? Heck no. But, mm. but I know I need to go through that feeling because if I suppress it, right? This is what I tell some of my clients is what you resist persists. So the moment yeah. you start yeah. suppressing the... I'm, calling the, the emotion of sadness here, if I start suppressing that, then that sadness will turn into a mood because what you resist persists. And that mood can be with me for uh, the rest of the afternoon. It can be with me for the whole week, for a whole month, or for, or for years. And I don't want that. I don't want that for myself, and I also don't want that for my clients. Mm. Mm. The other part, and, and I learned this from the Conscious Leadership Group, is that when you feel your feelings all the way through to completion, there is wisdom after that. And so the wisdom in, in sadness is that something needs to be let go of. You have to say goodbye to something, and there's sadness in yeah. that. Um, the wisdom in joy is that something needs to be celebrated, right? Sure. The, the wisdom in, in sexual feelings or creative feelings is that something needs to be birthed. Something wants to be created. Right. And right. in fear, it brings us to alertness. Like, hey, something's going on. I need all my senses here. Yeah. There's an alarm going off. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I call it. The, 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 yep. s- s- someone is breaking into the house. That's why we have an alarm for our house. Yep. That's why we, right? Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the Golden Mike podcast. There's more good stuff coming your way. But until the next episode, let's stay in touch, yes? Find us on Instagram as The Joy Rev, The Joy Rev, or communicate with like minded revolutionaries in our Facebook group. Search The Joy Revolution Underground. And of course, don't forget to check out the classes, articles, blogs, and some serious fun at joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Now, until then, What will you do to change history for the better? Let's go out and play, shall we? Press start to begin.